Welcome to Out of Curiosity, our podcast where we are seeking biblical clarity for modern questions. I'm Nick, this is Garland, and uh, today we want to talk about the issue of singleness in the church. And, um, you know, I think the way a lot of people encounter this question is when you come to a lot of churches, at least in the States, um, you'll see that it's, our, the programs are centered around a nuclear family. Marriage and parenting. Those are the big conversations when people show up, you know, you go drop your kids off and then you're as a couple, you jump into a group and all that fun stuff. And oftentimes people who are single feel marginalized in the church experience. Mm-hmm. And so how do we engage that? And uh, what, what, are some, what are some things you would say to a single person uh, engaging in church life in this context? Well, interesting, the younger generation is marrying later. Right. Uh, especially not in the South, so on the coast, marrying later, choosing not to, choosing to enter into relationships and not marry, right. and the single population is skyrocketing up in our country. So it's really important as yeah. we tackle this uh, issue. I, I think the first thing I would say is uh, we have for too long made an idol out of marriage. Yeah. Now I've said that, uh, maybe over, over, overstated that. Um, the, the narrative has been that God is great. You know, we, we want to come into a relationship with Jesus. And then the only way to be truly fulfilled, the way to truly be happy is to find your soulmate, find your spouse, have a family, and that completes your life in a sense. And obviously our movies and music have, have popularized that narrative. And I think in the church, that's, that's also become part of, of how we uh, articulate it. And so, um, singles oftentimes come across as second-class citizens in the church. Um, And if only they could get married, we could take them seriously. When they get married, they'll have different positions of leadership. And uh, I think that's a, that's a misstep on our part. That's in a lot of ways, that's an, that's a, it's making an idol out of worship. I I do college ministry here at a state school in the South, and I have had numbers of conversations, dozens of conversations with, especially as students get later on in their college experience, they, uh, if they're not seriously dating someone, mm-hmm. they have, they walk in an amazing amount of shame. I mean, mm-hmm. they walk with, what does this mean for me that I did not meet my spouse in college? I'm not going to get married right out of college. Does that mean I'm a loser, a failure? Yeah. And that can stick with them. And it kind of yeah. lodges in the back of their identity. And I'm, this is men and women. This is not, this is, this is both genders experience yep. this. And so the first thing I'd say is, uh, don't idolize marriage. Yeah. Um, and as the church, we don't need to idolize marriage. We want to we wanna worship Jesus. He's the Savior. He's the Messiah, not getting married. Uh, the second thing is, when we look at the Old Testament, it's, we, can't, we can't miss. The nuclear family is the primary relationship. The way that yeah. God seems to be working in and through His people, His covenant people, mm-hmm. is through tribal family relationships. Yeah. Uh, when we look at the nation of Israel. And that seems to be how most ancient cultures were. What's interesting is when we get to the New Testament and when we see Jesus and then the followers of Jesus, the disciples and Paul, we're going to see that flip on its head. Jesus is going to be so completely radical. Now, part of this is he never had any children. He didn't have a wife, he didn't have any children. Um, But Jesus is going to say some strange things like, uh, the one who does the will of my father is my mother and brother and sisters. He's going to say, if you give up family in the earth, you will actually receive more mm-hmm. family, mothers, brothers, sisters. He has a different paradigm shift. And it seems to me, when we look at the rest of the New Testament, they've picked up on this. Yep. And I wonder if we have as well. Yeah. So, How much of that do you think is Jesus's, the, the basic eschatological vision mm-hmm. of the first century church, mm-hmm. that they are living in the end of the world? 
I mean, is that, it seems to me like that's, that's driving mm -hmm. some of why that, that perspective shift would happen. Well, and as we, as we look into like New Testament where we see that is, that is at the root of what's going on with as when we see what Paul is writing to the church in Corinth in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, they're living out that reality. That's the mindset that they've adopted is Jesus is going to come back at any moment. So therefore, you don't need to get married. And if you're married, you can actually forfeit your marriage because he's coming back any minute. Mm -hmm. And Paul is going to do something really interesting when we look at 1 Corinthians 7. He's going to address that question in 1 Corinthians 7. And so uh, you want to read so, first? Go ahead. So maybe we can hold yeah, on that for a okay, second. So yeah, because that, that, so I, I jumped the gun on us a little bit there. But um, so on this question of you know, singleness in the church, um, I think another Another question I counter in a lot when, I, when I'm talking to singles is they often voice frustration when the teaching in the church focuses on marriage and family. And I think something you pointed out that the, is that it, it, the marriage and the family unit is still a central way of expressing relationship, mm -hmm. a central relationship that God works through. Mm -hmm. And so as a part of this larger church family, we need to honor where our brothers and sisters are. Right. And so that's, that, that works two ways. One is not treating singles like second-class citizens. The other is that when people who are single engage in church, recognizing that marriage is a big part of the life of the church. And so, you know, one thing I would say to, to my single brother or sister in Christ is that um, you, a marriage series actually does apply to you. Right. One, because you're going to be living in community with married people. Mm -hmm. And so any of those issues that you haven't personally experienced, but that your brother or sister in Christ is experiencing matters to you. It should. It Absolutely. should. Yeah. It should. And so when I hear about um, somebody talking about losing a child, Thank the Lord, that's not something I've walked through, but I know people who've had. Mm -hmm. So that issue matters to me mm -hmm. um, for, for living in community. And so one is it, 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 there's a, a level at which it's talking about marriage is applicable to a single person because of community. The second thing is because of witness. And the culture by and large is objecting to the Christian view of marriage. Mm -hmm. And so someone who's not married needs to have a theology of marriage to be able to talk about their faith. Mm -hmm because a theology of marriage is part of our faith and it's one that's being objected to in the culture. Right. So what you're saying is, as a single person, it's, it's unhelpful, and we might even say unloving, yeah. to when marriage talks happen or marriage series happen, well, I'm turning my eyes off of this. Right. I'm not married yet, who cares? It yeah. really does apply to you if and, you want to love your community well. And it's, it, it might, it's one of the only areas in life that we say, I'm not going to think about it until I'm there. Right. Nobody's, no doctor says, I'll get training once I'm starting to practice. Right. They are, It'd be wholly inappropriate and, very inappropriate. and so damaging. In, in every other area, we go, you know what, I, if, if, there, if I'm going to interact with this at all, I should learn something about it beforehand. And so, yeah, yeah that's I, good. I agree with that. So, so what, what do this, so I, I stopped us on going to 1 Corinthians, oh, yeah. but what, is, what, is, what does the Scripture say? When we look at the Scripture and what it says about singleness, it, it's, not, it's not a lot. Now, it's not surprising because the New Testament doesn't speak at length about marriage either. Mm -hmm. uh, there's a handful of places where it will address marriage as well. Um, and the primary place for singleness is here in 1 Corinthians 7. And we're not right. going to go through the whole chapter. We'll hit a couple of highlights. If you wouldn't mind, read verse 1 for us, chapter 7, verse 1. Okay, so chapter 7, verse 1 of 1 Corinthians says, Now for the matters you wrote about, and then in quotes, it is good for a man not to have sexual relations with a woman. So here's our, here's our eschatological end times question that's being asked to Paul. Okay, Paul, if Jesus is coming back at any moment, isn't it better for me to just sever kind of human relationships, not engage sexually with my wife? That's all behind us now and just await the coming of Jesus. And essentially what he's going to do is he's going to unpack what it looks like to have 
sexual relationships within marriage, what it looks like to continue to engage in marriage. And he, he summarizes that section, if you wouldn't mind, read verse seven. Okay. So verse seven, he says, I wish that all of you were as I am, but each of you has your own gift from God. One has this gift, another has that. And most likely when he's talking about these different gifts, what, he's, what, what most commentators think he has in mind here is some of you have the gift of being married. And yep. so it's a good thing. God's blessed you with that. Go enjoy it. Right. And some of you have a gift of being single. And he's saying, go enjoy that. Go and experience the goodness of the blessing of that. And then we get to the, my, my favorite part. Uh, flip over to verse 25. And if you wouldn't mind, um, read all the way down through verse 28. Okay. First uh, Corinthians seven twenty-five. Now about virgins, I have no co- command from the Lord. Now just, we've got to come, virgins. Right. He has in mind uh, a young unmarried woman. Never, so some, never married. Somebody who's not married and they find themselves single. So he's talking right. about if you're, if you find yourself as a young single woman, right. now continue. Okay, good. I have no command from the Lord, but I give a judgment as one who by the Lord's mercy is trustworthy. Because of the present crisis, I think that it is good for a man to remain as he is. Are you pledged to a woman? Do not seek to be released. Are you free from such a commitment? Do not look for a wife. But if you do marry, you have not sinned. And if a virgin marries, she has not sinned. But those who marry will face many troubles in this life. And I want to spare you this. It's a fun little ending note right there. Uh, <laughs> what, what, what Paul is seem, seems to be getting at, and it hinges on this concept of uh, verse 26, mm-hmm. what is it, the present crisis? The present crisis. The present crisis. Yeah. So what we're trying to figure out is what does Paul have in mind this present time? It could be something going on in the Corinthian church specifically. Right. He may have in mind all of the period between Christ's first coming and a second coming. Yep. Is it a short amount of time or a long amount of time? It, it's, it's not all that consequential to what we do with the rest of the passage. Mm-hmm. And if we see what he's saying, he says, if you're betrothed to somebody to get married, it's great, go ahead and get married. If you're not betrothed to somebody to get married and you're single, he says, that's great. It's a gift from the Lord. It's a blessing from the Lord. And then he's going to say our favorite little comment here, and you and I both speak as married people. He says, if, if you seek marriage, I'm trying to spare you <laughs> because something's going on in marriage. And we get some, we get some context of what he has in mind here. And look at verse 32, if you wouldn't mind reading that all the way through verse 34. I would like you to be free from concern. An unmarried man is concerned about the Lord's affairs, how he can please the Lord. But a married man is concerned about the affairs of this world, how he can please his wife. And his interests are divided. An unmarried woman or virgin is concerned about the Lord's affairs. Her aim is to be devoted to the Lord in both body and spirit. But a married woman is concerned about the affairs of this world, how she can please her husband. I am saying this for your own good, not to restrict you, but that you may live in a right way in undivided devotion to the Lord. I think at minimum what we have to say from Paul here is, Paul is affirming singleness. He is not calling singleness a second-class way to live Christianly. In fact, he's saying, Marriage is a gift to the Lord, a gift under the Lord, and marriage is a beautiful expression of what it looks like to sacrifice and love somebody else. But it comes with a side set of distractions, he calls them. You're concerned with your wife, your kids, your family, and somebody who is single is actually freed from those things to be able to pursue ministry, pursue the Lord, unfettered, unrestrained. And you can't imagine Paul, with the perspective he's writing here, if he was ever talking to a single Christian who was saying, all of my struggles will go away when I'm married. Right. <laughs> That's, He's, uh, he seems to be saying the opposite. The opposite. Yeah, the opposite things are going to get harder. Right. Right. Yeah. So uh, what I, what I hope that people listening to this uh, can can wrestle their minds with here is 
the Bible is not, and the New Testament is not telling you, when you get married, yeah. then you'll be fulfilled. Yeah. And until then, well, you're kind of on the bench. Yeah. And one day, hopefully, you get to get in the game, because that's when you get to be a real mm-hmm. adult, when you get married. Right. Paul says, I wish you could be like me. Mm-hmm. As a single man, he is, he is completely free to follow the Lord, and he's not lesser. Yeah. Uh, and so, in light of that, we've got to talk practically. Yeah. So, practically speaking, to a single person, neither one of us are single. We were single, now we're married uh, and have families. What does it look like to be a single person and navigating this life as a single person? The first thing is, we, we might tell anybody listening to this, God restricts sex, sexual expression, yeah. to the context of covenant marriage for life. Mm-hmm. And so in that, and, and we can... We can look all over the Bible to make this point. I don't think it's earth shattering for most Christians. Sex is in the context of marriage. And so celibacy may be a, a term we could substitute, a synonym for singleness. It may be a better term, yeah. celibacy. I'm, I'm celibate at the moment. And when I am married, I will no longer be celibate. Right. And so the second thing that we have to wrestle through, especially in our culture right now, and, and begin to have a discussion about is, especially in the younger generation, Hebrews tells, uh, the writer of the Hebrews tells the church to honor the marriage bed, to honor marriage. Mm-hmm. And uh, in light of that, I think one of the aspects of that is the, uh, the, the freedom and the beauty that comes in marriage, the sexual expression in marriage, the picture that marriage is of the gospel. And one of the ways that we honor that is the choices we make before we're married yeah. in dating relationships. I see a lot in our culture now, as I know you do as well. Um, there's, a, there's a movement that... Living together, sleeping together, being together on road trips is, is somehow um, kosher, no big deal. And I, I wonder if we are honoring mar- the marriage bed in that sense. Uh, and so that's something I think this younger generation is going to have to wrestle through. It may be cheaper. It may be more convenient. But what does it look like to honor marriage in a certain way and to live celibate yeah. in a certain way? And something else, you know, you said when you were you were saying what is not true that I think has a counter res- practical response. You said it's not true that you don't become an adult until you're married. Right. The counter to that, I would say, is don't wait to become an adult until you're married. Right. You know, for a lot right. of people, marriage forces responsibility mm-hmm. on us. Mm-hmm. And so th- that's what I'd say to a lot of people is don't wait to start living an adult life until you're married. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and Absolutely. I, and I, and or I think or that Paul from, never would have been Paul. He never, right. yeah. And so I think a lot of, I wonder if some of the discontent might come from that sense that my life will begin when I'm married. Right. Therefore, I won't start doing all these mature things the Lord's called me to until I'm married. Mm-hmm. And so that, that might be another practical thing to say is don't, don't wait for marriage. Mm-hmm to grow into the mature the person. The Bible's God's affirming you to be an amazing yes. leader, yes. Um, to be a, make impact for the name of Jesus in this world. You don't have to wait till you get married to have kids, have kids to do that. Yeah. Uh, just one final thought as we process celibacy, what mm-hmm. that looks like. There's different types of celibacy as we think through it. Um, in, in, there's practical celibacy. That is, I'm celibate until I find someone. Yep. So I'm practically speaking, I'm celibate now, but I hope to find someone. There's vocational celibacy. I'm celibate now to focus on my career, maybe mm-hmm. somebody going to the mission field yep. uh, or somebody choosing celibacy for a particular time or place or circumstance. Not uh, definitely. N- not, yep. not some indefinite thing. Yep. Uh, there is also, we might call it virtual celibacy. Yep. Somebody who may be married, but their spouse is overseas uh, in the military or their spouse is, uh, is across the country for long periods of time. And in that sense, you're virtu- you have virtual celibacy. And then there's what we might call uh, celibacy by choice, yeah. choosing to be celibate. And when we look at the history of the church, 
uh, that was an option that many heroes of the faith chose was I want to follow Paul and live completely uh, unfettered and, un, and unrestrained by having to think through family and all that kinds of things that comes with a wife and kids. And I just want to singularly focus my attention on the Lord and I choose celibacy. It's for, it's God, it's for the Lord, it's self-sacrificial, and it is for life, this decision to be celibate. And historically, in the context of the church, that has been an option that, that uh, the church has honored yeah. and not uh, looked down upon. Um, yeah. So we, we might conclude just this simple thought on, on singleness and celibacy with noting that Jesus, by all, by all accounts, lived about 36, 37 years on the earth and was the ultimate true expression of what a human can be and should look like. And uh, he never married, to, he, never, he never had sex. Um, he didn't have some of the intimate connection that comes in marriage. And yet the picture that Jesus provides is an amazing picture. Uh, now we could say, well, he's God. Of course he could navigate right. that. Oh yeah, he, he could rely on his God divinity powers. Uh, and I don't, think that's the, I don't think that's what's going on. I think Jesus um, is, a, is an amazing picture of what it looks like uh, to honor the Lord without being married. And then obviously if we want somebody that isn't God, then we could, we could pick Paul, we could pick lots of other people. So... So yes, we have this picture of Jesus, our model, and as, as I've heard people say before, and I think it's such a powerful phrase, our happily ever after is not when boy meets girl. Right. It's when sinner meets Jesus. Right. And that's anything that places our, our hope mm-hmm. outside of that mm-hmm. is, is a false gospel and a false yeah. hope. So, Perfect. Cool. Perfect. Yeah. I, this is clarifying and helpful. Thanks, and uh, thanks for listening to Out of Curiosity. Thank you for listening to Out of Curiosity as we discuss what the Bible says about singleness in the church. We encourage you to look into this for yourself even more and recommend looking in Scripture at Matthew 19, 10-12 and 1 Corinthians 7. We also recommend the books Seven Myths About Singleness by Sam Alberry and The Table Podcast, Singleness in the Church with Abraham Kuruvilla. If you want to send in a question or contact us, go to oocuriosity.com and follow us on Instagram at oocuriosity. Be sure to subscribe to keep up with future episodes.